If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Germ Warfare is Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's uh, Friday. Send me an email, germwarfare at tntradio.live. Say hi as always. Um, Well, for the next hour, it's going to be me and uh, John O'Sullivan, Alex, and I think Joel. Hey, Alex, is it Joel? I can't see behind you. Yes, it's Joel. The four of us will keep you busy. We are going to reflect on the year that was and hopefully on the year that's coming. And I have some coffee with me. Uh, I should be drinking, but I won't do that now. So let's do this, Alex. My name is Jim. This is Jim Wolfe, the Battle of Ideas. Going 360 on the headlines. It's really well-balanced conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. John O'Sullivan, after the year that was, I tell you what, we really should be drinking right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid because we're professionals, Jeremy. It's going to have to be just the mug of coffee today, but I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, <laughs> we, we were having a nice little chat before we came on air. You were sharing your amazing photographs of where you're staying at the moment. And uh, mm. blue sky, we don't we don't see a lot of blue sky over here in the UK. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, what, is, what is a blue sky and what is it? What do? is a blue sky? I know. We, we <laughs> see shades of grey, Jeremy, not, not much blue at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's all that global boiling. It's not reaching the UK at the moment, I'm afraid. It's very hot here. Uh, it's about 36 degrees C. I've got the aircon on uh, above me. I've also got a fan. I was just telling you guys before the show, been fighting with flies, <laughs> flies and mosquitoes, where we are yeah. currently. Uh, we're sort of in the farmlands. So I hope that there won't be too too many flies bothering me during the show. Yeah, we over here in the UK, Jeremy, we don't have many flies right now. Flies are a, a premium, but what we do have is more scare stories. We apparently had a very mild winter. Um, and the fraudsters who do all the climate research, they're telling us it's one of the most hot, hottest winters in the UK, hottest Christmases in the UK, uh, only beaten by t- 1923, 100 years ago. You know, So what was causing the warming back in 1923? I can tell you what's causing it today, Jeremy. It's called the urban heat island effect. People don't seem <laughs> yes. to know about the urban heat island effect, but all you need to do is just look at where they locate these thermometers, where they take the readings. And, you know, 100 years ago, those thermometers were, were mainly in agricultural rural areas because it was cheaper to put yeah. them there. And obviously, as cities and towns have expanded, that, that's been in, you know, encroached on. And you, you see tarmac everywhere. You, you see buildings Anybody who knows anything about the urban heat island effect knows that it can raise uh, urban temperatures by several degrees. It's it's, John, it's not rocket science. I'm <laughs> sorry, but I'm a big fan of global warming, right? So, like, I'm I'm quite okay with women wearing less. So, you know, get yeah. get them into the bikinis. Let's raise those temperatures. It's <laughs> it works for me. Yeah, yeah. I I, I can't deny that, Jeremy. I'm old-fashioned. I'm a red-blooded guy, and I'm passionate about going to the gym because at the gym, I see a lot of young women <laughs> wearing tight-fitting gym clothing, and <laughs> it's so good for my levels of testosterone. <laughs> I, I like uh, the natural... What is a woman, John? But hold on, hold oh, on. God. Haven't we learned in the year 2023, we don't know what a woman is? No, there's a lot of things we don't know about anymore, Jeremy, because we should question everything and uh, let people choose their own pronouns. And, and it's your reality, your <laughs> truth, Jeremy, you know, your truth about what goes on in the world. Again, it, it's open to interpretation. And this is what uh, we call chaos, the chaos theory. We now live in a chaotic system where everybody determines themselves what, what we all are and what yes. we all do and the agenda. 
Um, and the mismatch is incredible, isn't it? I think we're seeing, especially on social media, the rise of social media and these thought bubbles, you know, these communities that grow up where people um, like echo chambers, aren't they? People kind of perpetuate their own talking points. Uh, there's not a lot of crossover. You know, once you go into those little echo chambers, you're stuck. A lot of the pushback I get from people on the Internet, on Facebook, is that I'm living in my parents' basement and I'm a conspiracy theorist. And um, recently, Jeremy, of all things, I'm a, a left-wing whack job. <laughs> you know, I've been called a right-wing well, conspiracy I mean, other... theorist, but now I'm a left-wing. <laughs> but, John, other than, other than those labels, um, what are the bad things that they said about you? <laughs> I think the worst thing said about me, Jeremy, uh, let me think, the worst thing that's been said about me over the past year... Um, Probably that um, I'm inconsistent because I, I used to support Israel uh, and I was always yeah, me in too. favor of Israel. But all of a sudden, October the 7th, like a lot of people, I, I check my facts. <laughs> and um, lo and behold, I've been vindicated because General Mike Flynn, you know, Trump's military advisor, has now come out and said October the 7th was probably, possibly a false flag. He can't prove it. But he says it has all the hallmarks of a false flag. Speaking as a senior army general, he says it's crazy that uh, with the most sophisticated surveillance systems in the world, Israel failed to detect all these flying Hamas supporters in their hang gliders, you know, and the whole the whole military force was told to stand down for seven hours. Yeah. Seven hours, yeah. stand down. <laughs> well, it's just a that, coincidence. That to me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It reminded me of the U.S. Liberty. Anybody's heard those are history. The U.S. Liberty was an American warship that apparently was attacked by Israel in 1967. And uh, they tried to kill all the sailors. I think they might have killed about 30 odd. I, can't, I don't know the exact numbers. Forgive me if I'm a bit off on the exact numbers. But uh, that is an incredible proof, of, if you need proof, that Israel, uh, the people who run Israel, have no conscience. They will kill anybody and do anything to, to further their agenda. And I try and tell people this on Facebook, and they don't want to know. They've never heard of the U.S. Liberty. Um, they even believe 9/11 was uh, was uh, committed by Hamas. You know, <laughs> they now link Hamas to 9/11. You know, I, I thought that was uh, a different group of terrorists altogether. <laughs> so the la the last few days on um, on X, I've been uh, trolling a few absolute morons uh just because i felt like it i'm done now with my experiment but it was a little bit of a personal social project i wanted to see and the the irony is this is i get it people at different stages in their journey of discovery john like people people are not all on the same page fine that's that's perfectly reasonable the issue that i have is is when people just absolutely reject everything because they think it can't possibly be a conspiracy germ people don't do evil things they don't conspire but i mean like what happened with julius caesar did, did the 40 senators just all happen to have knives coincidentally and then all fell over and stabbed julius caesar i mean people people are absolutely mindlessly dumb if they think that throwing around the term conspiracy theorist is some sort of derogatory yeah. <laughs> ad hominem, it, it, it's silly. It, it says more about oh, them. It gives me a headache, Jeremy. I mean, I, I have to have, I've had numerous asinine debates with people who can't get their head around the fact that the word conspiracy doesn't mean what they think it means. 
Yeah. I try to tell them that conspiracies are prosecuted every day in a criminal courts. In fact, they're probably one of the highest uh, kinds of crime, conspiracy crimes, where people get together with, you know, malcontent, you know, with a evil intent. Um, it's not unusual. The whole of history is, is redolent with people who got together for evil intent to commit crime. Um, it's been proven time and time again. You know, everybody who loses a war, everybody fights a war, conspires. And if you're the loser of that war, by, def by default, you become the bad guy. And therefore, that was a conspiracy. Um, conspiracy theory per se, you know, that term was invented by the CIA, um, you know, to, to try and put down discontent after the assassination of JFK. Um, it's very clever, Jeremy, because it's use, use, using a label to just shut down debate like calling you a fascist or right-wing conspiracy theorist, um, again, there's no need for further discussion. Once they've labelled you, that in, in their mind, intellectually, um, is, is the, the pinnacle of, of, of their att attempt to debate. You don't get anywhere with these people, Jeremy. You can't engage in facts. You end up in insults. Well, look, look, to be fair, John, I don't really care about facts um, because, I mean, Yuri Bezunov once upon a time said in, in his interview with um, G. Edward Griffin, he said, look, you can show people facts and they will they will never believe it you can even take them to the gulag he was referring you know because he was a former kgb operative and he said you can even take them to the gulags and you can show them and they still won't believe what they see with their own eyes i, I think um what matters more is is narratives and it's it's how people create those narratives and and how and how those narratives can be challenged uh, uh that's the way i see it you know um i've come to realize Everybody had the facts, for example, during the COVID era. Everybody knew the data. Everybody can still see the data. We know that millions of people have died from the jab. The facts are there. But they'll say, no, 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 it's, uh, it's climate change. It's, uh, mm -hmm. it's something else. So in other words, it doesn't matter what the facts are. Uh, I think Ben Shapiro was wrong when he said, facts don't care about your feelings. I think it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. You, facts don't matter yeah. to, to, to people who are not interested in facts. You got it back to front because your feelings don't care about the facts. I mean, that's how it ends. That's, that's the beginning and end of the whole debate. You, you're, you, we're yeah. all creatures of habit. Uh, we're all kind of products of our past. And, you know, we're, we're all indoctrinated that the sensibilities we take forward with us are those that have been growing with us since we were babies, you know, impressed upon you by your family and so forth. And I think this is why there's such a concerted effort by governments to divide us from our families because um yeah you know for right or wrong good or bad your family is the, the backbone of who you are um we all find our loyalties generally speaking are to our families first and it's good to have loyalties it's good to form bonds um because i'm kind of dismayed now I, I talk to quite a lot of young people generation z's um because my family i've got quite a lot of relatives who are you know late teens early 20s now going through the university system and they're telling me that they feel like they they, they regard themselves as the most depressed generation that's ever lived even though yeah. ironically they have every facility they've got unlimited access to so much technology things that i could only have dreamed of when i was a kid um and there's no excuse for boredom. There's no excuse for apathy or, or lack of opportunity, because in effect, we know that young people today, um, you know, using their own initiative on the Internet can become millionaires. They can be become entrepreneurs. Um, it's not unfe it's not unfeasible to do that now. Um, but the issue is maybe there's too much choice, Jeremy. Maybe there's too much indoctrination, too much confusion, too much overload of information. I think something else that I... 
I suppose I've known this for a long time, John, but it kind of really hit home this year. Uh, if I'm reflecting now, I mean, that's we that's where we are. We kind of in the last weekend of the year, you and I, well, everybody actually, but you and I are chatting about, about this. And um, one of the reasons why we, why we get so funny about labels is because we don't like the perception that is created when somebody labels us. So what we should be doing, I think, is trying to worry less about the label itself. So in other words, if somebody calls me a bigot or a conspiracy theorist or a denier or whatever, the best response, and I think the most powerful response is simply, sure, okay, now what? I think that completely disarms them because they don't, what do they say after that? Okay, I'm a racist. What next? Where, do, where does this conversation go from here? And yeah. what you never, inevitably find, inevitably find, oh, I can't speak today, John. What you invariably find <laughs> is that they're not actually interested in engaging with you. They just want to shut you down. That's the point of a label is to silence you. It's very effective, Jeremy. Uh, children, they one of the hard lessons you learn as a child is, is the, the name calling and bullying, you know, among your peer group in in class at school. You know, you, you that's the most potent weapon. You know, people are finding that, uh, you know, words hurt. And the lesson you want to teach your children when they're very young is just to say, "Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never harm me." Yeah. Um, I, I think we said before, too many people get confused about the concept of offending somebody. They, they think you give mm. offense, but the actually the reality is you, you take offense. Exactly right. Yeah, you take offense. Um, we need to work on getting that me message across to more people. You know, it's not widely mm. understood that uh, we are not responsible for somebody else's hurt feelings. If they can't deal with the world, the, the, the term snowflake came about for a reason. Um, yeah. it's a it's, it's it's everywhere now, isn't it, Jeremy? People are going to their so-called safe space. They want to be protected from anything that might upset them. Um, we're told that um, the, the true meaning of learning is to confront your inadequacies. You know, you can't grow without discomfort. You know, I know when I go to the gym, Jeremy, I need to be uncomfortable yeah. lifting weights to progress. Same with yeah. a child going to school. Going to school is not always happy and rainbows and pretty pictures. It's there's some tough tough yards you, know, you have to travel um and that that's the point of your life you know the good and the bad you, you soak it all up and hopefully we like i like to use the term stoic you need to be more stoical yes um i love the term marcus it's Aurelius, one of the things John. Uh, pardon, realist yeah realist stoical uh, it's i think it's the natural condition of a mature man I believe that um, there's something, I don't agree with Andrew Tate, the, the guy who's so much into the men's narrative, but one thing I do agree about him is the idea that men should aim to be more stoical, to have control over their emotions, because there's nothing more admirable than a man who's in control of himself. I mean, men, we're, talk, we're told we're toxic, you know, <laughs> but the point is, if we're, if we're under control, if our testosterone is, you know, within our, our bounds, you know, we're not using it. Um, haphazardly we only apply it when it's really needed you know when our family needs protection you know when there's when it's a just cause um don't fall into the trap of you know like a lot of uh so-called progressives do where, where, where they always want to emote they're emoting all the time i feel this i feel that Let, let's get back to logic and reasoning you know let's try and argue mm. you know on the cost benefit analysis for example you know I've heard so much about people for the benefit of everybody. 
um, you know, one of the things they said, what one of the UN uh, UN mantras, the World Health Organization mantras, with the vaccine mandate, was that um, nobody's safe until we're all safe. <laughs> you know, yeah. again, that's that herd mentality, isn't it? It's not directed. By, it's not coming from the individual. Exactly. It's being directed from above. So I can choose. John Sullivan. Hang on. Let me quickly go to a break. We'll carry on with this in a moment. My name is Jim. This is TNT Radio. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was going to make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. Latoya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Well, I want to say this, and I'm going to say it just once. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Somebody in the comments was saying that I'm drinking too much wine, which is why I'm not speaking terribly well today, John. I actually haven't had any alcohol today, although I am surrounded by vineyards. Um, I'm drinking coffee, and I was just telling you a moment ago, I actually uh, bought... Uh, an espresso machine finally it's such a great purchase i love those little capsules i mean i listen i grind beans okay so i'm not a i don't drink instant coffee but i'm really enjoying all these little different flavors and things that you get with the with the with the capsules yeah i'm i'm into that myself i mean what i tend to do jeremy i, I like you I, I do a lot of work at home computer-based work and just for a change of scenery, I go to a coffee shop, the, the usual ones, the Starbucks, Costas, that kind of thing. And, and I love those coffees that where you just sit down. It's a smell, isn't it? The smell more than anything and the atmosphere, you know, you get from it. And it's a, it's a social gathering. And uh, I, I, I found out that um, the content of the caffeine is so much higher when you go to these places. And uh, I'm pretty wired. If I go, if I go to a Costa or, or a Starbucks before I go to the gym, Jeremy, I have an amazing workout. <laughs> I'm oh, I see in the comments, Blodder's in the comment who, who made the wine comment. I misread it. I apologize. Blodder says, 
I need to have more wine in order to speak better. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. I agree That's with true. My name, is, my name is German. I approve of this message. <laughs> that, there's a kind of a sweet spot, isn't there? When you're a little bit tipsy and you, you, you're, you're, you're free-flowing, your, your, your words are coming out really nicely. Um, go, go beyond the sweet <laughs> spot, Jeremy, and it's just gibberish. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm going to make you very jealous now. And Alex, I'm going to make you jealous too. So I'm currently staying in a different location with my wife for the next few weeks. We have a pool and a jacuzzi. Ooh. How great is that? That's disgusting. It's so unfair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really jealous. Um, I've, um, got a, I've got a bath but I don't, and a shower, but I don't have any of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's somewhere where we are, so it's even better. And, these, and both of them are outside, so... It's the best place to have um, uh, champagne or or uh, uh, wine. Actually, I I almost said MCC. Now, this interesting term. Just quickly, this is going to segue here. In South Africa, we don't have champagne. Um, I, I, there are some import and export laws around the word champagne. I don't know if it's the same where you are, John, but it was trademarked or something to that effect. So, in other words, it's technically the same. It's the same drink. But it's not called champagne in South Africa. It's called, um, well, one of the terms is MCC, which stands for Method Cup Classique, which is essentially, it's, it's, it means that it's the Cape, the Cape method of making champagne. That's essentially what it means. And the Cape is where I, is where I live. And what's interesting is that it's precisely the same thing. It's champagne, but it's just got a different name. Do you have that also in the UK? Do you have, or do you have uh... champagne? Yeah, of course we do. Um, I went out with a friend just before Christmas, celebrated with a bottle of Moet Chandon, and um, I hate the stuff. I don't drink champagne. It, to me, it's just overhyped. Uh, I'd rather have a nice bottle of red. Um, it, to me, it's just like fizzy pop. I, I don't enjoy it, and I think a lot of mm -hmm. things like that um, are just for show. Um, again, you know, it's, maybe it's me, Jeremy, but I find it's not really a man's drink. I find the ladies love it. Um, <laughs> My wife loves it. <laughs> they're very it. impressed if you buy them. You know, <laughs> buy them a nice bottle of champagne. They, they, they think you're wonderful. But um, uh, no, John, let me just ask champagne. Alex. Alex, in, in, in Australia, Alex, do you have champagne or does it have a different name? In actual fact, if you are listening, send me an email, jimwarfare at tntradio.live. Let me know, wherever you are in the world, do you, do you have champagne by that name, or does it have a different name? Yes, Alex. Oh. Yeah, so John, I don't know if you heard, but Alex was just saying to me now that they, yeah. it is called Champagne in, Aus in Australia. That's interesting. I wonder, I wonder yeah, yeah. if it's a French thing. Um, there's a EU mandate. I know that they were very protective of each region's heritage, and mm. they made it um, obligatory. You couldn't... Uh, uh, t you know, kind of hood uh, hijack somebody's terminology. For example, over here in the UK, mm -hmm. we have lots of cheese, and one of the places they produce cheese is cheddar. You know, cheddar is a, a region in the UK that is famous for its cheese, and cheddar cheese. Yeah, well, is champagne. Sold. Champagne's a, sorry, exactly. Sorry, it's a region. A region exactly. in France. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we have a lot, lots of things like that, like Cornish pasties, uh, which is a quite a and a traditional a working man's dish used by miners. Cornish pasties, effect effectively, are just. Um, meat and vegetables tucked into a pastry that's wrapped up and sealed and you know it's like uh, effectively mm. um you can put it in your pocket and go down a mine because it's very convenient um yeah again another one you know, we have another one we have and i think this is a i think this is a uk restriction um i might be wrong uh and if alex has a moment or two you can check this up but um we aren't allowed to now i, I might have it inverted i apologize we aren't allowed to say sherry in south africa well, i mean we can say it but you mm -hmm. can't you can't sell a product 
with the name Sherry. So we use the term port, but it's the same thing. Um, same there's just thing, yeah. there's some yeah. weird there's some weird trademark on it to or licensing thing that has to do with I, I don't know I don't know what it is I don't know why this is the case but it's very interesting. Yeah, we have both port and sherry. Uh, they're both effectively fortified wines. They're just more alcoholic yeah. and uh, just stronger. You know, they 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 get you there quicker. You know, you'll you'll become more articulate quicker than you'd imagine if drinking yeah. champagne. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting because. Uh, as you know, the, the UK, we left the EU and part of the Brexit reviews mm. was we now have pint-sized bottles of champagne. Um, and it was something that was a big favourite of Winston Churchill, because uh, as you, you may know that we never gave up our idea about pints and miles. You know, we went metric to fit in with the Europeans, the, the, the Napoleonic Code. We thought, yeah, we'll be all metric. Uh, but we never gave up um, those pints. We never gave up, gave up our miles. And um, it's nice to know that we're now having the option of buying our champagne in pints. <laughs> you know, forget the little uh, nice little champagne glass. <laughs> so that to me is typical British culture for you. You know, we're not all this hoi polloi that the Europeans yeah. use. John, um, the reason why I'm keeping things fairly lighthearted, and we can be serious, I don't mind, but the reason why is because I have, I'm sure you have found also that the year that has just passed has been very intense. Um, on on so many levels. I mean, we went we went from Ukraine, which uh, everybody has now forgotten about. Like, hey, do you guys remember the good old days when there was a war in Ukraine? Uh, and um, and now we focused on on Israel and Gaza, and that's like one of the most intense wars I think I have ever experienced in the sense of propaganda. I, and I've never seen so much vitriol and hatred. I've never seen as much as I've seen in the last what six months. You know, when when people say uh that if you if you if you are even mildly sympathetic to innocent people dying on the palestinian side suddenly you are in favor of israeli genocide you know or or if you say listen guys i think a ceasefire might be a good idea a ceasefire means everybody stops shooting and people are like oh so you just want israel to be wiped out you know i mean it's <laughs> it's the most crazy time yeah um, I'm with you on that one, Jeremy, because um, as you know, we've talked about it before. I get a lot of hate on my Facebook. I've got 5,000 people connected to me on Facebook and quite a lot of them are very, very entrenched in their views about Israel. Um, a lot of the contacts I have are North American. I would say 70 to 80 percent of my contacts are in, in Canada and the U.S. And it's, it's a fact that support for Israel is very strong in America, um, but it's falling like a brick. Um, I pulled it up uh, earlier today, just before we came on air, because I wanted to just double check what was happening with the, the issue. And um, YouGov, YouGov has been monitoring the situation in America and the UK. And obviously, it doesn't surprise you to know that after October the 7th, that there was a big surge in support for Israel. You know, I would say it says here just over half of the US were very much in favor of uh, Israel. Um, but uh, correspondingly, support in the UK also went up but a lower level. Um, but since then, it's been dropping like a brick. Um, we've got um, numbers here that show that the biggest drop in support for Israel is amongst young people. Millennials and Generation Z, um, they're the ones who, who um, would nominally mainly be left-wing people, um, which is fair enough, because that, that's when you're most ideal. Um, and this is going to be a crisis for the uh, Democrat Party in America, because as we all know, the Biden administration is so pro-Israel, and yet their their base, you know, the, the um, left-wing base, yeah. is anti 
yeah, yeah, very much pro uh, Palestine. So there's a John, massive... both sides are. Both yeah, sides, yeah. both Republicans and Democrats are. are, are they, they they both have a strong Israeli uh, lobby behind them. Yeah, the rhinos. We talk about rhinos, Republican in name only. That's that's very true, and I'm with mm. you. I, I get that. Um, but it's surprising that I know a lot of uh, again because I'm engaging with a lot of Americans every day through email correspondence and keeping up to date with the news and situ the situation there. And uh, we're making progress, you and I, those who are the peacekeepers. We, we like to think that there's a better solution. Um, you know, I, I point to the fact that even that the UN, the, the last vote in the UN Assembly, 153 out of 193 nations were voting for a ceasefire. So the trend is definitely in favour of a ceasefire. Yeah, I mean, anybody with any sense, any shred of humanity, we say that 20,000 dead Gazans, 70% of the dead are women and children. That really is not war. To me, that's genocide. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm sick and tired of this thing that they say Hamas is hiding behind women and children for human shields. Um, if well, you look at the John, general... Sorry, but I'm going to say something now that, that's going to upset some listeners. But I'm going to say it. Hamas is not a terrorist organization. There we go. Um, I'm not. I'm not pro Hamas. I'm not pro Israel. I don't take no. sides. I, I'm not. I'm not a Jew and I'm not a Muslim. So I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm not even Israeli. I, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm just. I'm just an outsider. I'm a foreigner. But who gets to decide if Hamas is a terrorist organization? Who, who's the one making that accusation? I can tell you right now that many people in the Middle East don't think that they're a terrorist organization. Mm. My grandfather was called a terrorist, Jeremy. My grandfather was labelled mm. uh, a, a murdering terrorist uh, because he was a senior commander in Ireland in the IRA. Um, and, but for the fact that the, the IRA was successful in liberating British, liberating themselves from British rule, today my father would be called a terrorist. But now he's actually a war hero. Um, so again, it's about who wins. You know, the winner gets to name yeah. and label everybody. Look, okay, so just while we're on this, just for a moment. I get the whole thing. It's 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 a tragic situation. Hamas should never have done what they did on the seventh of October. I don't know exactly what the strategy was. Uh, I don't think anybody does other than than them, uh, because the response, the retaliation was, has been excessively brutal. I do, however, think that it was somewhat of a, of a, not a false flag, but I think the Israeli government would have been okay with it because they're doing what they're doing right now. They want to clear out Gaza. They've made this clear. This is why we've seen photographs of, you know, IDF soldiers planting the Israeli flag in Gaza. That is not defending yourself. All right. There's, that is definitely not defending yourself. But there is a context that people seem to miss. It's the same thing, John. When Putin went into Ukraine, it's as if there was no context. Like nobody thought about why did he do this they just he just randomly woke up one morning in a bad mood and, and his, his milk was sour or something in his coffee and he decided well i'm gonna send tanks into ukraine that was that was it you know there was no there was no historical background the same thing with hamas there is a historical background this isn't in my view muslims versus jews israel has got around two million i think muslims that live in israel and there are millions and millions and millions hundreds of millions of muslims that live in that entire region I mean, if they wanted Israel wiped off the map, they would have done it a long time ago, but they don't. The, the only conflict is occurring where that region is, is um, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for now? Um, uh, I've got, I've now gone blank. Uh, occup occupied. There we go. Occupied. Yeah. That's that is where that is where the conflict is. This it goes all the way back to 1948, and then a little bit before then. This is where it is. It's not religious. It's geopolitical. Mm. Yeah, I um, agree with you on that because again, there's a lot of people profiting. You know, a lot of these wars are mm. fought for material bankers. gain. Uh, bankers wars, and and I I do buy into that. I, I used to ridicule. I mean, 10 years ago, I'd ridicule you if you said all wars were bankers' wars. But the, the longer I've looked at it, the more I realize that, uh, yeah, there are always people behind you know, the, the whole thing that are promoting it, stoking the fires, because they make a lot of money from it. Um, and, and I do feel that um, it, it, with Gaza, especially with Gaza, you've got a lot of natural resources just off the coast in Gaza. Yeah. Um, it, it's not news. It, you know, it's been known for 10 years or so. There was an agreement between the, the, the local nations that they would um, exploit the resources for the benefit of all. Um, but it seems to me how convenient if we wipe out Gaza, because then Israel will claim that territory. Um, you know, but Israel wants to. Reason. That's the point. Yeah, but that's the point. They want to claim that territory and they want to expand. They want this. I mean, this is the whole Greater Israel project. Yeah, and I think we've all forgotten what happened in Hawaii you know, a few months back, mm. where, again, it, there was a very unusual situation where um, the fires, the so-called natural fire, I don't believe they were natural fires at all, where mm. vast vast communities were displaced, and the government um, you know, amended the law to seize the land. And um, ironically, anybody of great wealth in that locality had no damage to their properties, and there was a lot of conspiracy yeah. theories to, uh, about the idea that it was laser-generated DEU, directed energy weapons. Directed used. energy. Mm. Yeah, and uh, again, there, there might be something in that. I don't know for sure, but I can tell you for a fact, it seems as if we, every disaster always ends up with the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. How, how does that work, Jeremy? I don't I don't get that one. Um, I interviewed, uh, I think his name's Michael Riviero uh, a few months ago. He made a great documentary called All Wars or Bankers Wars. And if you if you actually want to look at what's going on, say with even with Ukraine, Israel to some degree, most wars have got immense, immense backing from, from central banks, particularly. Um, because the banks don't care. You know, they don't take sides. They just they just want more money and more power. Yeah, and I like to look at Hamas. Um, we took, just go back mm -hmm. to Hamas because everything is far more complex than than we take on face value. And uh, Netanyahu is, is argued, arguably created Hamas in 1985 as an antidote to Yasser Arafat's PLO. Um, yeah. it's a matter of record. And he funded he, it. He funded it exactly. Um, and what a wonderful thing for him because, in effect, what it did is uh, effectively there are two. Uh, regions that uh, are effectively Palestinian regions, and that's the West Bank and Gaza. And um, what that happened is the PLO maintained some semblance of dominance in, on the West Bank, but Gaza was in, in the preeminence in, in Gaza. So in effect, Netanyahu succeeded in dividing the Palestinian uh, resistance, if you like. Um, so it was a win, you know, divide and conquer. And it makes a lot of sense because, I, again, I... I referred to, I think before we came on here, General Mike Flynn. General Mike Flynn, Trump's former military advisor, he has come out now. It's on video. I found it at a website called bioclandestine.substack.com. 
And there's a video there of Mike, Mike Flynn um, saying he actually now has reason to believe that, that you could argue that it was a false flag on October the 7th. Because he said, it, as a military expert, it, it, it's very it's impossible it, beyond chance that the military, Israeli military, were told to stand down for seven hours. And that's not yeah. disputed. They stood down for seven hours while Hamas attacked. And uh, Flynn pointed out, just like uh, Colonel Douglas McGregor, again, another respected military analyst, former advisor to senior level, uh, say the same thing. They say that what they say is that there's no way that Israel did not know uh, but yeah. that Hamas was planning an attack. And there's exactly. no way that what they say is that there's no way that Israel did not know uh, but yeah. that Hamas was planning an attack. And there's exactly. no way that um, a lot of those deaths were called, caused by so-called friendly fire because mm. the, the damage to cars and vehicles could only have come from airstrikes. And Hamas, as we know, only flew in by um, these small powered um, hand gliders. Uh, so mm. the amount of destruction, the death toll, it doesn't correlate with the force using sidearms, small weapons, hand grenades, you know, RPGs. Uh, the the death toll is more like the Hannibal Directive. Uh, the Hannibal Directive is Israeli policy, military policy, uh, is to shoot everybody, destroy everybody, everybody, and do not allow hostages to be taken. And I think it's a fair argument. I don't know who can know during the fog of war, but I think in in the course of time it, it may transpire that a good proportion of those who died on October the seventh were killed by IDF and not Hamas. John O'Sullivan, I'll be back with you shortly. My name is Jerem. This is TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Hello, everyone, and I hope you had a wonderful and Merry Christmas. Hey, did you happen to catch our Vice President Kamala Harris before the holiday speaking on MSNBC about next year's election and what it means? I think all of these issues are important to voters who are going to be going to the polls in November. And... And they will make their decisions, obviously. Um, but there are a lot of critical issues at stake. And, you know, every election cycle, we talk about this is the most election of our lifetime. Lawrence, this one is. This one is. What? Did she say this is the most important, the most consequential, the most anything? Nope, she did not. You know, every election cycle, we talk about this is the most election of our lifetime. Lawrence, this one is, this one is. And this is one of the freedoms she claims is at stake next November. The freedom to just be, the freedom to just be. So the woman who's a heartbeat away from the presidency says this is the most election ever in our lifetime and gives you some cockamamie freedom. I mean, God help us all. Thanks for giving me a minute. And don't forget to tune into my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. Need a ride? Yeah! Driving with kids is a big responsibility. Hop in and buckle up! So don't sweat the small stuff. You got paint all over our paper! Get the big stuff right instead. What does that mean? Like making sure your kids are in the correct car seat and buckled up for safer travel. That deserves a wiggly wiggly wig. To make sure your child is in the right seat for their age and size, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Talk that matters. Germ Warfare and Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio TNT. John, how does 2024 look? 
Um, I think it's very good. I, I don't, on the face of it, think it's going to start very well. Um, but I think that the, there's a progression towards uh, a greater demand for sanity. Um, I believe uh, that Russia is going to win the war in Ukraine. It looks very much like, because it's died a death in the media. Nobody's talking about it, as you said earlier. The focus has shifted to Israel. And the exact same thing is happening with Israel as happened in Ukraine, that everybody talks up the, the, the proxy state, proxy state in this case being Israel, you know, Ukraine, and both nations were proxies of the US, the US war machine, the industrial military complex. Um, and again, you know, the hype is always propaganda talk. They're going to win. They're going to destroy the enemy. The enemy is always a terrorist. There's always the invader, aren't they? The Russians were the invaders. Uh, Hamas is the, are the invaders. Um yeah, 2024, Jeremy, I think, is going to be an unravelling of this fake narrative. Um, I, people are beginning to realise that we've been lied to about everything. And I mean everything. There's not a thing, there's not one issue, I I feel, that doesn't have some kind of duplicity. Um, I, I, we're going to see a lot more SAD, sudden adult deaths. Uh, we're going to see a hell of a lot because all the experts in the medical profession who warned about the uh, after effects, the adverse effects of these so-called vaccines, which are really just gene therapy. They said it could take two, three, four years before we saw the true effects, because a lot of the effects of these uh, toxic ingredients uh, are long lasting and they take time to accumulate in the body. So oh, that's a tragic story. Um, but again, it's those who are duped, um, those who are easily led will pay the price the critical thinkers will come to the fore um you know it's not that we want to be proven right jeremy i don't go around telling people i told you so because i'm sad i mean i've got family members jeremy who bought into the narrative you know they gladly took their jabs multiple jabs three you know, well, i've got one family member who took three and they're not well you know um it's tragic, and I, I, I know that we've just had Christmas, Jeremy, and you tend to give out your best best wishes to your family members, um, and you catch up. You do the catch-up for the year with your family, and my family, uh, it's all doom and gloom. Um, and yeah, everybody me, I know... Uh, let me recommend a book to you, John. The Falsification of History by John Hamer. I bought it. You can get it on Amazon. The Falsification of History. It's a thick book. It's nearly 900 pages. You will love it. <laughs> he rips apart just about everything you think you know about history. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm very lucky. My, my friend and colleague, Joe Olson, who's a qualified engineer who hosted on my Sky Dragon Slaying show, he, he knows a lot of this stuff. And uh, 10 years ago, 13 years ago, when I first met the guy, I thought he was fantastic in exposing the climate fraud, but was just off, off his nuts on everything else. And I didn't believe anything else. But drip, 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 you know, everything he says is proven to be true. Just like another kind of uh, visionary over here in the UK, um, David Icke. You, obviously, you heard, you know it, David Icke. You've interviewed David Icke, I believe. And uh, David Icke is, um, again, one of those guys who was vilified 20 years ago um, and, and now proven to be, you know, a wonderful predictor of, of tyranny. Just as same as Alex Jones, Alex Jones in the States. They're very much on the same level. Um, They've been vilified by the media. They've been hounded. They've been, you know, aghast, you know, pretty much you know, had their reputations destroyed. But they, they stuck the course and, and now they're having their day. Um, like, you know, with me, I mean, you know my story, Jeremy. At 13 years, I, I started 
uh, Principia Scientific 13 years ago. Um, it's been a long, hard battle, but again, we're being vindicated on the climate fraud. People are now realizing that CO2 is not the, the climate control knob. You know, CO2 is quite the opposite. CO2 is actually very, very beneficial. It's no, it doesn't harm anything. We need more, not less CO2. It's the absolute opposite of everything the mainstream tell you. Yes, another one for you. We need more cholesterol, not less. I agree with you. Yeah, again, you, you've interviewed some amazing experts, just like myself. I've interviewed on my show nutritionists who, mm. you know, flipped everything on its head. The idea that we should be eating more carbs, um, less animal fats, avoid butter. Don't eat eggs. Don't eat salt. No, it, quite the opposite. Have, eat all those things. Eat the way yeah. our grandparents ate. You know, 100 years ago, they were having a healthier diet. They, they were living a better life. And um, we're having so much fake food and, and people who go into the supermarket, you, you walk down the aisles and look at the ingredients on the packets. It's a long list of, of, of things you can't even identify. They, uh, over here in the UK, in, in the EU, you've got E-numbers. You know, the chemicals, you don't even, you can't even work. You need yeah. a kind of degree in biology or chemistry to figure out what's going on. Um, like you, I, I'm going more towards having, you know, going back to source, go to the butchers, you know, go and source stuff from the greengrocers, try and go to the farmer's markets. That's where you're going to have more chance of having something that's not adulterated. Um, so, again, I think 19, 2024 was going to be a year where people switch on to that and realize that it's a learning curve, a very steep learning curve. And, you know, knowledge is power, isn't it? And also, uh, I, I suppose it depends on where you are and what you're allowed, but also try and get into hunting if you can. Uh, go, like, go get your food yourself. Yeah, in the UK here, there's no hunting whatsoever. Uh, I mean, we, you get arrested. <laughs> Nobody has guns, Jeremy. Um, we have illegal... <laughs> so, we have so hold on. So my, so my wife gave me, just a few days for Christmas, a, a beautiful little leather... Uh, pouch that holds um, hunting rounds. <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful. Um, and so I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah. If you brought that here, Jeremy, they'd lock you up. Um, nobody, you, you, farmers are allowed to have uh, shotgun licenses. You know, if you apply for it and they vet you, if you pass the test, they'll, they'll let you have a shotgun or whatever. Um, if you're a sports enthusiast, if you've got a bona fide club membership, to go to a shooting a club. Again, these people do have guns in the UK, um, but it's very strictly monitored. You have to lock your weapons up in secure safes. Um, the, the irony is, Jeremy, gun crime in the UK is going through the roof because criminals don't seem to obey the law. Why? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, why Why don't criminals, you know, just not shoot people, you know? I mean, like, yeah, it's weird. You know, why don't they just, why don't they just, you know, uh, abide by the rules like everybody else. Yeah, and the, and the other problem we've got, Jeremy, London, you may know London is the knife capital of the world because knife crime is absolutely, that's a true pandemic. Um, you go to London, Jeremy, and you probably need to wear a stab-proof vest. Um, again, you know, I'm all in favour of multicultural, you know, but I'm not in, not in favour of uh, unlimited illegal immigration. And London is one of those examples of a place where you are afraid to walk in certain areas it's almost like you, the police don't like going in certain areas it, crime is rife you know i i i dread to think yeah. how what would it, what it'd be like in 10 years uh well i mean listen i think that one of the 
one of the things that I've been pushing, one of the vectors towards, I think, a sense of personal freedom, liberty, and well-being um, is even if, you do, even if you can't own a gun, it's fine. But get into the gym at least. Get fit. Get strong. Um, mm. eat, eat better. You know, how do you win? How do you win all these various information wars if you just sit behind your iPad all day long moaning on, on, on social media? You're not winning anything. If they, if they want you to eat bugs, don't eat bugs. You know, mm. like, take a stand and get into, a, get into exactly the opposite mindset that Klaus Schwab is trying to get you into. I think as a general rule, Jeremy, we, we should listen to what these experts say very carefully yep. and do the opposite. Um, you know, the, the experts for, are always proven wrong, aren't they? Time and time again. Uh, you and I, we know there's an alternative authority. You know, there's the kind of alternative media. And a great many people that you and I interview have been ostracized from the mainstream because they were mm. originally, you know, the part of the great and the good. They were career driven they were very successful um and then they woke up like you and i they woke up yeah. and thought well what's going on is not right and they had a conscience and they used they followed their conscience and they spoke out and they were quite shocked to find out that nobody in in, in the authority wanted to hear it once you go against the the, the grain you're out you're, you're beyond the pale and you'll have everything about you tarnished and uh i just see it time after time jeremy i'm sure you see the same what has been your biggest lesson learned in 2023 the biggest lesson i've learned probably is the power of collaboration it's kind of entrenched my idea that uh like tnt radio for example is just going from strength to strength um the, the people we've had come on the, our shows uh we're forming bonds we're forming a kind of new international movement of the great and the good those who are not motivated by greed who kind of have a proper, a more, a more valid moral compass, who really just want the best for everybody and are not, you know, the psychopathic tendencies that uh, rule the elite in, in our countries. You know, again, that's what I've learned. And, and I learned it's working. I, I believe it's working. You know, we are, we are having traction and, and we need to keep working harder to talk to people, to, to bring them over to our viewpoint, at least open their eyes and see there's more than one side to the argument. The big... The biggest lesson I've learned in 2023 <laughs> is listen to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never did that, Jeremy. I've been married and divorced twice. So, I'll, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so there's a lesson for you, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, happy, yeah. happy wife, happy life. That's what they say, Jeremy. I'm, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I think that works for some people, but I, I, I don't think that works for everybody. 70% of divorces are, are filed by women. Um, and 70 to 80% of all consumer spending is by women. So, you know, figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so you've got, a, you've got two choices here. <laughs> Listen to your wife or learn to get very comfortable on that couch. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I agree with that i think that that's been my story so far jeremy okay so we're coming in for landing john i think this is i think this is my last show of 2023 actually so let's let's come in with a nugget of wisdom john give me give me something to think about um i think the most important thing for all of us to think about january so we talk about new year's resolutions don't we we talk about uh, making plans for the long term 
trying to change bad habits, you know, get rid of bad habits. And uh, I can guarantee you, I went to the gym yesterday, Jeremy, it's virtually empty. I go a week from now, it will be rammed. There'll be so many people there, I won't be able to get through the door. And I guarantee you, come the end of January, beginning of February, they're all gone. They won't be there anymore. We'll be back to normal. So what I think is, when we have these New Year's resolutions, we should think a bit, a little bit more about uh, what is actually feasible long-term, you know, the sustainable change. What can you do incrementally, bit by bit, to improve your life? Um, and self-improvement, you know, maybe just spend a bit more time with your family, spend a bit more time, you know, checking your facts, you know, a bit more time away from the TV. Little little things, Jeremy, that aren't going to cause any great hardship, but I think in the long term would be very beneficial. My New Year's resolution is to have a New Year's resolution, John. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't believe in it either, Jeremy. I, I Many, many years ago, I, I thought, what a load of nonsense. It's an arbitrary day of the year. Why would it be an idea? I mean, it's the middle of winter. Over here, it's like the worst, most de depressing time of the year. Why would you want to motivate yourself to improve your life when there, there's no kind of mentally, no, no emotional stimulus, you know? Uh, at least yeah. in the Southern Hemisphere, you've got good weather. Uh, up here in the Northern Hemisphere, it's all doom and gloom in the well, winter. Well, let me, let me make you feel absolutely even worse. So after my show now, because it's now late afternoon here in Cape Town, the weather is beautiful. The sky is blue we're gonna we're gonna pour ourselves a glass of wine jump into the jacuzzi and get the fire going <laughs> well you know what the best i can do to counter that jeremy is go to the tanning salon <laughs> and have a sunbed <laughs> line the sunbed <laughs> yeah get on that sunbed <laughs> oh no my word oh no that's terrible that's terrible i think the only person who needs a sunbed is alex <laughs> Roll, Alex. Joel, Joel's giving the thumbs up. <laughs> All right, uh, let's quickly talk about your show, John. Yep, yep. Um, we're on tomorrow, every Saturday. Um, it's from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern. It's Sky Dragon Slaying. Um, it's uh, also the time over here in London is 2 to 4 p.m. Um, we've got two great guests, Dr. Michelle Perrault. Uh, she's a, a, a leading uh, American uh, pediatrician she's here to talk about nutrition and uh and also we've got uh, joachim agopian i think you might have interviewed joachim again he's talking about the year talking about the war in ukraine military analyst uh we'll talk about gaza and everything we covered today but in greater depth john o'sullivan it's been an absolute pleasure having you on my show for this entire year this is this is it this is <laughs> this is the final show for me of 2023 so thank you for sharing it with me um i look forward to to having you on my show in 2024 yeah me too jeremy thank you very much it's been a great year and i also just want to say thank you to alex and uh i, I guess now joel also it has been such a pleasure uh you guys are the best uh, i think i think if i didn't have you guys around my life would be worse <laughs> I, I would certainly sound worse <laughs> so it's been an absolute pleasure having having all of you guys around i I, I am back next week. It's not like I'm going away, but next week is next year. <laughs> that always that always gets me, hey John. That like the, yeah, the, it's, the it's, idea that next oh. week is going to be another year. <laughs> it, it's it really just is. the same, isn't it? Same same thing. Yeah. It carries on as normal. All right. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. I've I've had such a good time. Thank you, all of you, gents. Love you all. Send me an email, Jim Warfare at tntradio.live. I will catch you in 2024. My name is Jim, this is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Mm -hmm.